Welcome to Spin Me a Yarn, a podcast where we explore stories and spin fiber. I'm so glad y'all joined me today. My name is Hextilda and I love fiber arts and telling stories. These two areas have a long interwoven history, as you might expect. Fiber is spun into thread, thread is woven into fabric, and then the fabric must be washed and cut and hand-stitched into clothing. You could put a few hundred hours of work into a single simple garment, especially if you lived in a rural area where you were reliant on just yourself and your neighbors. While hands are busy, minds can wander, so it is no surprise that trading stories while engaged in handiwork is a time-honored tradition likely stretching back to the dawn of humanity. So, here we are. Plus ça change, plus c'est la même chose. The more things change, the more they stay the same. What better way to tap into this ancient tradition than to tell classic fairy tales? We will be starting off with the works of the Brothers Grimm, and we shall see what direction the fates lead me after that. As this is the first episode, I thought I would explain how a typical episode will proceed. First, I'll explain what fiber I'm spinning today. Then, I will start in on the story du jour. Afterwards, I'll invite you to stick around while I talk a little about the story itself. It might be commentary on little cultural things mentioned in the tale, or it might be a full-on takedown of the story. Today, I am spinning a beautiful wine-red blend from BZB Fibers. The colorway is called Red Queen. It is 70% merino wool, 15% soy silk, and 15% carbonized bamboo. Merino is one of the go-to wools, heavily favored due to its fine micron count. This just means it's very thin and less likely to feel itchy against the skin. This also means that it dries faster than a thicker wool might. While there are finer and less kinky wools out there, Merino, which comes from the Merino breed of sheep, is easily one of the most popular wools out there to use in clothing. Soy silk is an interesting addition. Instead of coming from silkworms, which has quite a process to it, soy silk is made using soy protein derived from the hulls of soybeans. A waste byproduct becomes transformed into incredibly soft, silky threads. As silkworms are killed as part of the process of silk production, this is a vegan-friendly alternative. The carbonized bamboo, in particular, has a very interesting texture. Smooth, but grabby. Speaking of smooth and grabby, let's dive into our first story, Rumpelstiltskin. And yes, I chose it because spinning is integral to the story. Rumpelstiltskin. By the side of a wood in a country a long way off ran a fine stream of water, and upon the stream there stood a mill. The miller's house was close by, and the miller had a very beautiful daughter. She was, moreover, very shrewd and clever. And the miller was so proud of her that he one day told the king of the land, 
who used to come and hunt in the wood, that his daughter could spin gold out of straw. Now, this king was very fond of money, and when he heard the miller's boast, his greediness was raised, and he sent for the girl to be brought before him. Then he led her to a chamber in his palace, where there was a great heap of straw, and gave her a spinning wheel, and said, All this must be spun into gold before morning, if you love your life. It was in vain that the poor maiden said that it was only a silly boast of her father, for she could do no such thing as spin straw into gold. But the chamber door was locked and she was left alone. She sat down in one corner of the room and began to bewail her hard fate, when suddenly the door opened and a droll-looking little man hobbled in and said, Good morrow to you, my good lass. What are you weeping for? Alas, said she, I must spin this straw into gold, and I know not how. Hmm. What will you give me, said the hobgoblin, to do it for you? My necklace, replied the maiden. He agreed to the exchange and set himself down to the wheel, and whistled and sang, Round about, round about, lo and behold, reel away, reel away, straw into gold. And round about the wheel went merrily. The work was quickly done, and the straw was all spun into gold. When the king came and saw this, he was greatly astonished and pleased. But his heart grew even more desirous of gold, and he shut up the poor miller's daughter again with a fresh task. An even larger pile of straw must be spun into gold. Then she knew not what to do, and sat down once more to weep. But the strange little man soon opened the door and said, What will you give me to do your task? The ring on my finger, said she. So her little compatriot took the ring and began to work at the wheel again and whistled and sang, Round about, round about, lo and behold, reel away, reel away, straw into gold. Until long before morning, all was done again. The king was greatly delighted to see all of this glittering treasure. But still he had not enough. So he took the miller's daughter to a yet larger heap and said, All this must be spun tonight, and if it is, you shall be my queen. As soon as she was alone, that wee man came in and said, What will you give me to spin gold for you this third time? I have nothing left said she. Then say you will give me, said the little man, the first little child that you may have when you are queen. That may never be, thought the miller's daughter, and as she knew no other way to get her task done, she said she would do what he asked. Round went the wheel again to the old song, and the hobgoblin once more spun the heap into gold. The king came in the morning, and, finding all he wanted, was forced to keep his word. He married the miller's daughter, and she became queen. At the birth of her first little child, she was very glad, and forgot the bargain that she had struck. But one day, he came into her room, where she was sitting playing with her baby, 
and reminded her of their agreement. Then she grieved sorely at her misfortune and said she would give him all the wealth of the kingdom if he would let her keep her child, but in vain, until at last her tears softened him, and he said, I will give you three days, Grace, and if during that time you tell me my name, you shall keep your child. Now the queen lay awake all night, thinking of all the odd names that she had ever heard, and she sent messengers all over the land to find out new ones. The next day, the little man came, and she began with, Timothy, Ichabod, Benjamin, Jeremiah, and all the names she could remember. But to all and each of them he said, Madam, that is not my name. The second day she began with all the comical names that she could think of. Bandy legs, hunchback, crookshanks, and so on. But the little gentleman still said to every one of them, Madam, that is not my name. The third day, one of the messengers came back and said, I have traveled two days without hearing of any other names, but yesterday, as I was climbing a high hill among the trees of the forest where the fox and the hare bid each other good night, I saw a little hut, and before the hut burnt a fire, and round about the fire a funny little man was dancing upon one leg and singing, Merrily the feast I'll make, today I'll brew, tomorrow bake, merrily I'll dance and sing, for next day will a stranger bring, little does my lady dream that Rumpelstiltskin is my name. When the queen heard this, she jumped for joy, and as soon as her little friend came, she sat down upon her throne and called all her court round to enjoy the fun. And the nurse stood by her side with the baby in her arms, as if it was quite ready to be given up. Then the little man began to chuckle at the thought of having the poor child to take home with him to his hut in the woods. And he cried out, Now, lady, what is my name? Is it John? asked she. No, madam. Is it Tom? No, madam. Is it Jimmy? It is not. Hmm. Hmm. Can your name be Rumpelstiltskin? Said the lady slyly. Some witch told you that. Some, some witch told you that. Cried the little man. And dashed his right foot in a rage so deep into the floor that he was forced to lay hold of it with both hands to pull it out. Then he made his way off while the nurse laughed and the baby crowed, and all the court jeered at him for having had so much trouble for nothing, and said, We wish you a very good morning and a merry feast, Mr. Rumpelstiltskin. Thus ends the tale of Rumpelstiltskin. What really gets to me about this story is how one man's boasting is taken as truth by another man, while the woman involved is talked over and dismissed. The miller's daughter, whose name we never actually learn, I will point out, says quite plainly that she cannot spin straw into gold. If nothing else, if it were somehow possible to do this, 
her father would likely not be a miller anymore. The king takes little heed of this and threatens her with her life. What a lovely way to start things with the woman whom he eventually marries. The fact that the miller's daughter is able to outwit Rumpelstiltskin has more to do with the resources available to her as queen than any inherent cleverness. She can afford to send a multitude of people out into the kingdom to seek out unusual names. If she were still a peasant, she would almost certainly have been locked into her agreement with the hobgoblin. The image of someone spitting straw into gold is, of course, meant to be ridiculous, but also meant to be a very literal take on an artistic description of spinning flax into linen thread, something I think almost everyone would have understood inherently up until the start of the 20th century. Flax can be a beautiful golden color. There's a reason that someone with golden locks might be described as flaxen-haired. Flax is a tall, thin plant that grows to be about three feet long and has lovely little blue flowers at the tips. There's a very involved process to turn it into fiber for spinning. However, the results are well worth it. Linen has impressive moisture wicking abilities and is ideal for clothing that touches your skin. As an aside, I participate in historical recreation events, living history demonstrations, and experimental archaeology. I cannot overstate my affection for linen and its qualities. Cotton is clammy and uncomfortable by comparison. When I lived in Texas, I wore linen almost exclusively in the summer. In any case, in Rumpelstiltskin, I feel most for the miller's daughter slash queen. She is stuck dealing with three faithless people. First, her father, whose boasting nearly gets her killed. Second, the king, who tells her to do an impossible thing or lose her life. What a choice. With the bonus of being forced to marry him when she achieves the impossible thing. Because, really, could she have said, No thanks, I won't be queen, to someone who was willing to kill her if she did not pull off a miracle? She was stuck in an impossible situation. That, of course, brings us to the third faithless person, Rumpelstiltskin. On some level, there is an argument to be made that the queen should have kept to her deal with the hobgoblin. After all, in some ways, she traded a life for a life. However, Rumpelstiltskin struck that deal when she had no other option. She had no worldly goods with which to negotiate. She could consent or die. In most places, coerced consent is not true consent. At least the person who brought her Rumpelstiltskin's name did so with nothing else attached to it. Perhaps he was awarded, perhaps not. We do not know. But he did not try to coerce or blackmail the queen. He simply gave her the name. He is only mentioned offhandedly and gets one important line. He is the literary equivalent of a featured extra. I would be remiss not to acknowledge the insidious ableism in this story, too. The original version refers to Rumpelstiltskin as a little man, a hobgoblin, and a dwarf. I opted to use the first two in the tale while deliberately staying away from the third term. 
Dwarfism is a term for a medical condition, and folks in that community regularly face discrimination due to it. Villains in stories are often coded as physically disabled, queer, suffering from mental health concerns, or any other number of clues that other them. People can be plenty evil without being queer or dealing with medical issues. As it stands, it made more sense to me to frame Rumpelstiltskin as a hobgoblin, not unlike Hoggle in Labyrinth. While there is still some risk of him being coded as a person with dwarfism, I am hoping that this has helped reduce that direct connection. Words matter. Balancing traditional stories with an awareness of problematic elements is going to be a challenge going forward, I expect. Let's wrap up. I hope you've enjoyed listening to Spin Me a Yarn. If you want to help keep the spinning wheel turning, you can become a monthly supporter on Ko-fi or give a one-time tip over there. No donation is too small or too large. If you'd like, go ahead and give us a follow on Twitter at SpinMeAYarnPod and subscribe on YouTube. Links to our socials are in the description box. Keep on spinning, friends, and see you soon.